Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. Again, we're just on this journey, journey of hours, minutes, days, weeks, months, all these things. And we've transitioned a little bit because all of us on our journey in some way, shape or form, you don't know what ends up happening. We face a period of time where we come upon hardship. We come upon trials. Sometimes you may have seasons of life where you feel like this is really, there's a lot of these as we're going down the road. Maybe you feel like, man, I have these kind of long seasons where there aren't as many, but it's really vitally important, okay? We've been using this core verse, James 1, verses 2 through 4, where James says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because this testing of your faith develops endurance. Remember when we talked about endurance is this ability to, to, to just stay under something. All right. So whatever that trial is, is producing endurance. It's this, it's this spiritual strength where you can stay under it and you're not going to crack and you're not going to break. And this testing is producing that. And this endurance has to come to completion so that me and you can come to completion. To complete maturity is what some Bibles say, what some uh, versions of the Bible say is that this is vital for me and you to become spiritually mature, not to get away from as many trials as possible, but when we do come upon a trial and we find ourselves within a trial, is that we allow this to do its work. And remember, we, we thought it's pretty audacious that James would say, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy, but I want us to just always remember what he's talking about isn't to like have this weird shift where we're looking at really hard and difficult circumstances and trying to like, you know, act our way to be joyful, right? Rather than he's saying, no, let the, the idea of hope and joy lead your thinking. Like when you're considering things, instead of considering how hard the trials are, how painful the trials are, how how just messed up the trials are is this idea of letting my thoughts be led with hope and joy and Jesus and all of these things. And, and we can do that. And, and, and so that's been our core verse that we've been working from. And we're starting to work into this idea of what are those trials? We're going to be looking at some of those things, like the trials that happen when we have a diagnosis that is just not a great diagnosis, the trial that comes through life's circumstances that are just lonely times, right? Times of despair, different, different trials we come to, whether it's trials we face at work or trials we face at home and our marriages, just different things like that. And we're going to be looking at that. But one thing I think we're going to find that, we, that, ha, that there's something in common with every one of those trials, and we talked about it last Sunday, is this idea that there's waiting involved. 
And that is amazingly difficult for us as human beings. Every single one of us here, nobody, we don't like waiting. We've been trained not to wait. We've been trained, in fact, like if you wait too much, we should complain to somebody. Right? I, I always feel bad for poor waiters and waitresses, man, and they're trying, and we're like, man, I'm going to make sure I don't tip them. I'm going to make sure I punish them for me having to wait, you know. And there's just so much of what we do, we don't want to wait. We don't want to wait. Some of you guys remember uh, internet speeds of 56K, of maybe 28K. Did that exist in anyone's home, right? And, you know, you, we thought it was lightning speed. All of a sudden, the, the world was at your fingertips, and heaven forbid your mom sent you a picture because a week later you would actually see the picture because that's how slow the internet was, right? But it's faster and faster and faster. And you know what's crazy now? And me and you all have this in common. If it doesn't like lightning fast, like our internet browser isn't lightning fast, we're like, what's wrong with this thing? Right? Why isn't this loading? Right? We, we hate it. We hate waiting in any way, shape, or form in so many ways. But there is so much spiritual value in learning to wait well. Right? We, we talked about last week about how Jesus was even willing to watch people he loved go through some difficult moments because there was something waiting for. There was something that he understood that they didn't understand just yet. Turn over to Psalm chapter 27. That's where we're going to be hunkered down in today. Over here in Psalm chapter 27. I hope one of the things, there, there can be a level of frustration that comes when we're talking about the concept of waiting. Um, there's a lot of things in following Jesus that can be really frustrating because they don't change very fast. We can't just try harder and wait better. It, and to a certain degree, that's a, that's a good thing. I hope, I hope you do, and I hope I feel more and more frustration because I hope we start realizing that this is going to take more than just hearing a lesson. It's going to take more than just having like an everyday, like quiet time that we're doing. That's great. Having lessons is great. Midweek is great and all these things, but it's going to hopefully require us all to reorder our entire lives. Remember, when we're following Jesus as an apprentice. What he's calling us to do is to reorder everything we do around being an apprentice of him. And so that may take some time of memorization and meditation. It may take some time to pull some things out of our calendar that we need to be pulling out and actually sitting down and studying the Bible with other people. And, you know, it, it's, this is going to become just really, really, really frustrating if we're just like, okay, I'm going to become really great at waiting. And that's all we do. You know, one of the greatest shortfalls of like us as human beings is, is that we inherently in, in many regards, we, we want something. All right. So there's, there's a little bit of this idea of waiting well that I think all of us are like, I would love to be that way. That would be so great to have this level of patience and perseverance and endurance that when everyone else is losing their minds, I'm just like steady. There's a part of that we are like, that would be so incredible if we could have that. But oftentimes we find we're not super willing to do what it takes to get to that place. 
That's one of the things that we all have this, this, this shortcoming of. Psalm 27, what is this psalm about? It's about a guy and we get to hear his thoughts and we get to hear his heart expressed. It's King David and he's really giving us kind of the anatomy of what it looks like on the inside for somebody who is waiting well. What's going on on I don't know if you write poetry or songs or anything like that, but it's really fascinating that the early church, even going back to um, the Israelites, so much of what they did centered around writing in poetry and songs. In fact, approximately 60% of the Old Testament is written in poetry. Isn't that crazy? Like we, when I learned that, I was like, no, that's crazy. There's not 60% of this, but it's funny. Most of the prophets are written in poetry. The Psalms are written in poetry, right? Because there's an aspect of this is that it can be repeated over and over and over again. It can be remembered. It can be passed on. It can be because it was, that was what was required. And so we're going to hear the heart of David right here. And maybe one of the things that we take from this is we need to have an aspect of who we are as disciples, that we are, we are like cultivating this deep level of meditation in a way that we can repeat it over and over and over again. All right. So here, Psalm 27. Here's David. Clearly, we're going to find out he's going through some really, really, really tough things. We don't know exactly what those are, but we'll, we'll see how he's handling this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they'll stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then will I be confident. All right. So one of the things you heard this last Thursday when we're talking about feeding on the word of God, one of the things that we heard was this principle of we want to be able to ask questions of the text we're reading, but we also want the text to question us. We want to look at this and allow it to question who I am. And so as we're reading this, David says, The Lord is, the, is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? And I think the, the implication or the question that could come back to us is, is that a reality for me and you? Where we would go, you know what, there, there's such an intimacy, there's such a faith, there's such an understanding of the magnitude of God that even in a time when I'm tempted to be afraid, who, you know, he's, he's reasoning almost with himself, who should I be afraid of? Right? So th this is an interesting part because we're going to get down to this place where he's talking about how he's waiting on God. But I think it's really worthy of us to begin and look at this and start to see that, you know, if we're going to really wait well through hardship and adversity, there's probably an aspect of our prayer life and there's probably an aspect of our life studying the Bible that we have to go back and remind ourselves, that, hold on a minute, why am I scared? Hold, hold on a minute, why, what is worrying me here in light of who Jesus is? 
Now, remember for the Israelites, you know what's crazy is that the Israelites, their first, one of their first experiences with God was so powerful at the foot of Mount Sinai is that the people were scared to death to go anywhere near there. They were just like, there's earthquakes and there's this cloud and there's just this mayhem going on. But the magnitude of God was so powerful that they were like, I don't want to go near that. And, and we can be too hasty sometimes to shun that and go, no, no, no. But this is but what Jesus wants is for us to come in and come close. And for sure, absolutely. But not at the expense of reverence and awe of God. N- not at the expense. And sometimes what can happen is, is we go through trials and God is like our size. Like people size. Like, oh, well, I'm anxious. Well, Jesus would be anxious too. Like God, God doesn't have that. And we forget this mountain moving, earthquake producing, like just fire and lightning and all of these things like to, to where people are like, he scares me. His power scares me. What he can do scares me. Like that, that is so intense. And here's the deal is, is we need to remind ourselves through the word of God sometimes, Right. Is this idea of going, hold on a minute, why am I scared to talk to my brothers and sisters? Hold on a minute, why am I scared? Like, hold on, this is happening, what's making me impatient? Is it my materialism? Is it just what I want? Is it my, my desire to have comfort? We're letting the text begin to question us, but we're learning from David here. Who, he says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. So, Man, you know, this is just just a great beginning point here. He says, when evil men advance. So he's talking about, man, these times, he's just scared. He's like, but why should I be? Right? But check this out, what he does next, okay? This this right here is, is one of my favorite parts. He says, here's what I do. There's one thing I ask, okay? And he's just pouring his heart out here, okay? If, if you could finish that statement, there's one thing I ask of the Lord, that is such, how we answer that is vitally important. One thing I ask of the Lord, okay? So he's going, potentially here, he's going, there's people that are trying to kill me. There's people who are trying to like take over my kingship. There's people who are trying to slander me. There's, there's people trying to just upend uh, the, my, my army, you know? There's all of these different things going on. And he says, I ask one thing of the Lord, Right. And so it's really simple for us to like plug that in to everyday life and the trial or the hardship. It, it, what if it's just like a couple hours long? OK, it's just a time of like, oh, man, life stinks right now. And I'm getting some news that I just don't like. And one thing I ask of the Lord, boom, what what is the answer to that? Here's his answer. He says, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. This may be the most important part of this entire psalm. One thing I ask, God, just kill my enemies. One thing I ask, just make this more comfortable for me. One thing I ask is, he says, here's the one thing that I really want. 
is I just want to be with God. I just want to see him with my eyes. I want to just look at him. I want to just sit here all the days, just the beauty of the Lord in his temple. I wonder if it's even possible for me and you to wait well. When it comes to waiting in terms of spiritually waiting on God, I wonder if it's possible for us to wait well if our heart isn't like this towards God. Like, God, you can take everything away from me as long as I have you. Because, God, everything about you is beautiful. Everything about you is incredible, okay? And, and here's the interesting thing is David's writing this a thousand years before Jesus. He, he's, he didn't get the opportunity to see God expressed in the flesh, he didn't get to a chance to see this man who was God in the flesh interacting with people. And he's saying, but God, what I want is you. You are beautiful. And I think if we're going to let the text question our hearts, I think the question is, could I say this with all honesty? Anything else can happen, God but I just, if I could just see you and, and love you and be with you. He says, all the days of my life. That, that, that's his greatest joy. He says, for in the day of trouble, he'll keep me safe in his dwelling. He'll hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle. He'll set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I'll sing and make music to the Lord. Is there any part of this when you're reading this where you're going, that would be really great if this is what it looked like for me to endure a trial. This would be awesome. Like if we could sit down with David in all his mess, okay? But if we could sit down with David and go, hold on a minute. This is really, really, really great. How'd you get to this place? How did you get to this place where you're just like, the Lord's my light and my salvation, but this guy's trying to kill you over here. But this army's trying to kill you. But these people, there may be people amongst you. They're trying to kill you. Things aren't going well. Things are difficult right now for you. But the Lord is my light and my salvation. Wouldn't that be amazing if that was just the default that me and you went to? Okay, we're getting a glimpse of what spiritual maturity looks like. Okay, he's not acting here. Right? He's not just trying to say the right thing. He's not just trying to hope in this. It, I hope this is true. This is a man who has, who has so fully absorbed who God is. Personally, in every way, he has absorbed the goodness of God. And so when trial hits, he's able to go, you want to know what? Okay, I can wait, and I can wait well because there's one thing I'm asking here. And, and when he comes, he's going to hide me in his tabernacle. He's going to put me in a stronghold. He's going to put me in a place where my enemies, who I'm really scared of, they can't get near me even. 
All right, he's, <laughs> you get this idea of he's almost preaching himself a sermon to a certain degree. It's this idea of, man, remember who he is. Remember what he said. Remember how powerful he is, okay? And then this idea of this deep devotion of I just ask all I want is to be with you. When was the last time you had one of those times where you were just so enamored by God? Not because he did something good or gave us something good. It wasn't because we had a day and we're like, everything is perfect today. God, you are so great. But that we set time aside where we're just like, just, just following God through history and just just praising him and we're just grateful to him and we're just worshiping him and we're just like loving him and just like our hearts are just like let loose on the greatness of God. I wonder if, I wonder if we kind of are neglecting things or, or we're making things maybe too, too sterile when we don't have these times. Okay, David was this poet. David was kind of this. It's really interesting because David could go and kill a whole lot of people. And he was really kind of artistically inclined as well, which you don't see a whole lot of. Okay, I like to hear this because this isn't my normal thing. My normal thing isn't like this is going to surprise you like poetry. And these kind of things, that, that really isn't my thing. Okay, but I love when I can read about a brother who's just like, let me pour it out, man, in poetic form, in like in all of this stuff, because there's a side of this, I'm just like, I love this. Like my heart needs to hear this. For in the day of trouble, he'll keep me safe. He'll hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle, set me high upon a rock, okay? And so you just, he's just picking up speed. Verse 7, he says, hear my voice when I call, O Lord. So there's kind of like this shift, okay? And it's, it, hopefully it makes us feel a, a little bit better, maybe. He's like, hear my voice, all right? So it's been great. And he's like, just to make sure, hear my voice when I call. Be merciful to me and answer me, all right? He's not completed he's not gotten through this isn't on the outside of this trial he's in the middle of it and in the middle he's like no, no but here's the thing hear my voice when I call be merciful to me answer me my heart says to you seek his face your face Lord I will seek right I mean you can just see there's this is the insides of a of a man who is like this is how you wait well in times of adversity. This is how you wait well when you can't control the outcome of what's going to happen. This is how you wait well. He says, uh, uh, my heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Don't turn away. Uh, don't turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Don't reject me or forsake me. Oh, God, my savior. All right, so he's got, he's is clearly still like, oh man, kind of getting his heart wrapped around this. Then in verse 10, he says, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. There's an interesting thing about this, the writers of Psalms is they can be very honest about what's going on and they always bring it back around to, but God is this. 
Okay, what we end up doing is we end up kind of stopping short when things don't go our way. Okay, and, and so we can end up going, oh, this stinks. Boy, this is so painful. This is so sad. This is so hard. This is so, and that thought is what leads the way, right? That's what James was saying not to do. That's the thought that leads the way. What, the, what oftentimes the writers of Psalms do is they'll say, yeah, this is hard. Please hear me. Please don't forsake me. He's having some struggle just there a little bit, but he's saying, okay, but I'm going to bring it back around to who God is. Let me bring it back around. Even if mom and dad were to forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And here's what he says in verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. How do we wait well? He's doing it here. Teach me your way. Lead me in a straight path. The humility and the teachability of David, a man after God's own heart. He was chosen to be king of Israel. And here's his attitude. Isn't it easy to kind of lose this attitude spiritually over time? Teach me your way. Teach me your way. Teach me. I think these are the kind of things. What my takeaway is when I read the Psalms is how much I need to hear this over and over and over again. Continually just just being saturated in this and going, oh, this is what David was doing. Instead of like necessarily just kind of being passive and trying to like get through it, he's like, just teach me. Just please, Lord, teach me. I, want, I have a humble heart. Just whatever needs to happen, just teach me your way. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Please don't turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. Right, so we're getting a little bit of a clearer picture of what's going on. Right? Do, have you ever had people, then they're just they're saying things that aren't true. They're making things up about you. Right? He, he's going through this. I mean, this is maybe not the biggest deal in the world, right? But he's going, man, don't turn me over to them. Don't turn me over to the desires of my foes. Uh, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. Okay, verse 13. He comes back. I'm still confident of this. All right. So, so <laughs> when we go through this, it's really fascinating. He starts out, the Lord's my light. The Lord's my stronghold. All right. That's just the starting point. I'm in a, in a safe place. Right. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my stronghold. This is one thing I ask. Hear my voice. Please don't reject me. Teach me your ways. Don't turn me over to my foes. But here's the deal. As he's closing this out, I'm still confident of this. So let's let the text question us. When was the last time as we were going through a trial, as we were working with one another, we said, okay, hold on. Let me stop a second. Here's what I'm confident of. This is what I know for sure. Oftentimes, me and you, we don't do that as much because we 
aren't spending enough time seeing how often God and Jesus are passing along these promises or it's really easy to just be kind of superficial. Remember at the end of Matthew 28, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. Man, I'm confident of this. He will be with me always to the here, right here, right? It is we've, we've got to like help ourselves in this place of answering that question. What am I still confident in? When everything else is shaking me up, when everything else is looking, what am I still confident in? He says, I'm still confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So, this is a simple psalm for the most part. When I apply myself to this, when I take the, 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 the spiritual blueprint of Keith in 2022 and I put it over this right here, there is such a radical difference between me and David. And sadly, I can see trials that seemingly are huge then I think David would just kind of look at me and go, really? really? Like things not going your way, Keith? Pretty rough, huh? Pretty rough living in Clemson. Everything not going your way. Oh, think life's a little uncomfortable. Got to do some things you don't want to do. Everything's not going exactly the way you want it to go. Yeah, I could hear David, right? David going, man, come here. Let me console you, man. It's really rough, right? And going, man, embarrassingly enough, you have this guy. He's like, yeah, no, no, no. Man, the king, I'm, the, I'm trying to lead God's kingdom. David has people actually trying to kill him. And when I put myself up to this blueprint, the things that stand out to me is, um, you know, the first thing is, am I filling my mind with the, with the truth of who God is? Continually, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Who should I be afraid of? Is This is going to require me and you filling ourselves up with who God is. Continually, over and over and over again. And what I here's what I can do. I don't know if you guys are like this. I can be a kind of a brooder. I can be somebody who can just kind of like fixate on things and just kind of keep playing situations over and over in my head. And, and, and even situations where I'm just like, I just you know, wish things would be different and I can just kind of ruminate on those things, okay? Again, if I'm talking to David, I think he's going to say, Keith, I think you probably need to shift that. Like away from like fixating so much on, on discomfort and pain and misunderstanding and all of that, why don't you shift over to who God is? Yeah, these things are true, but God is this. You know, I find myself looking in here and going, man, one of the things that can get passed by spiritually is this idea of cult truly cultivating a deep, intimate love with Jesus to where these words are actually like just 
flowing out of me of the idea of, no, this is really what I want more than anything, to just see Jesus, to just be with him, to just be close with him, to walk with him. I can't wait to get to heaven and be with him. I can't wait to learn more about him. Right? It's just this infatuation with God and his goodness. But there's so many things that we get kind of like all caught up in that it's very easy. I know it's easy for me that this kind of just can get left by the wayside of cultivating this here. In the final verse, here's the thing in verse 14. It's it, David... It's, it's tough to tell here. Is David giving himself a little bit of a pep talk? Is David going, people who read this, I'm telling you, like, here's the moral of the story. Wait for the Lord. Okay? So when we're going through the various trials, hopefully we're hearing, Keith, wait for the Lord. Well, well how do you do it? Well, man, I, David's like, I've been telling you for 13 verses here. I've been telling you, like, this is, wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart. And just for good measure, and wait for the Lord. <laughs> right? I love this. It's a little... You know, you have a wait for the Lord sandwich right here, you know. You have this right here, and he's like, be strong and take heart. How often, like, again, this is what I love about this, and, and we get an opportunity here. That what's cool about this psalm is, is that we get to hear from David, and it'd be awesome to hang out with David and to be able to pick his brain about this, but how would it come across if somebody said, hey, man, be strong and take heart? When was the last time that we said that to one another? When there was a trial going on. Hey, be strong. Wait for the Lord, but be strong. I think sometimes that can become very offensive. Right? Because like, what, you don't think I'm strong? I don't want to be strong right now. I don't need to be strong. You're not, you know, just be more empathetic to me. Just be more compassionate to me. Listen, I'll tell you as somebody, as Playing in athletics, one of the most valuable things I received from coaching was statements like that. Stop whining. Be strong. I can't do it. Yes, you can do it. Right? It's, it's, there's this voice of going, man, don't play down to the worst voices in your head. Right? Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. I think this is something that we can take and really be applying with one another. But, then, but again, he finishes up, wait for the Lord. There's no way that we can figure out every application of this right now. But what's the takeaway? As we go in, as we continue this journey, we can do one of two things. We can go, man, this isn't important. I've, I've done fine my whole life in trials. I don't need this anymore. I do okay. Almost nobody says that. There probably isn't a soul in here or in the city of Clemson that go, you want to know what? I don't need input on how to take trials. I do trials awesome. <laughs> we know as a society we don't do trials well. 
We don't. We, we self-medicate. We isolate. We, we fight. We do all of these things. We don't do trials well. But what, what me and you can do here is to go, no, no, no this isn't important to me to cultivate. I, I get that there's going to be trials. I get that people go through hard times, but I've got this. Okay? But here's what I would say. Prepare yourself for misery. Okay, here's the other thing, okay? Don't mix that up with Jesus. You'll confuse people in your life, okay? Because th this is the big deal about this, is, is, is we could go, nah, I'm going to, fine, I heard it. It's the last I'm going to think about it. I'm not going to cu cultivate this anymore. And here's the thing that ends up happening. We go through trials in our life, and we look like an absolute mess, and we're anxious just like the world, and we're scared just like the world, and we're, and we're brooding on things just like the world, and we fight just like the world. And then we go, but hey, could you come and meet Jesus? Because he's really changed me. That can't happen. That's, the, that's why this is so important, because for us to reject the idea of learning to wait well is we're saying either I'm going to continue to say I'm a Christian and confuse everyone around me, or, listen, I've got to just kind of back out and say, no, listen, Jesus, I'm fine. I don't need you. I've got life going on myself just fine. I don't think we want to do that. But that's the thing. Or we can hear these ideas. We could hear David going, hey, wait well. Wait for the Lord. He's your light. He's your strength. He's your salvation. He's your, your tower, your fortress, your refuge, your rock. He's all of these things. But, but those things don't just go, man, okay, we have them because we heard them. It's how do me and you cultivate these things? Because here's the thing. Every one of us in here, you know what we get really moved by in our brothers and sisters? We get moved by people who wait well in trials and they speak this way. Hey, yeah, you know what? It is difficult. I'm going through a difficult time right now. But here's what I know about God. This is what I know. Yeah, this isn't. Or, you know, man, here's what I need. I need to be strong and I need to just like hold steady. Uh, you know, I'm going to wait well on him. That sounds so different than the world, all right? This psalm sounds so different than the world, okay? We, we can't have social media therapy. We're going, oh, man, I'm going through a hard time. Let me pour all this stuff out on social media so, for whatever reason. It doesn't work that way. This is an internal job right here that thankfully we have. Here's the great thing. When the Holy Spirit, you know, we've talked about this plenty, is when we're baptized into Christ and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, that is the, that, this is who the Holy Spirit is conforming us to be like. It's this on the inside. So as we're kind of like moving on out of here, okay, is there's something that's going to become very important. How will me and you spend our time this week? Okay, and I'm not talking about going out and like serving at the soup kitchen and all that kind of thing. I'm going, but how will we spend our time? How will we spend our time cultivating this? How will we spend our time cultivating a heart like this? How will we spend our time like being filled with this? Like really spending that time, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's memorization. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's I'm going to read through this over and over and over again. I'm going to let it question me. Let, let me be questioned by this to ask, it, Keith, is this true in your life? Because it's going to be really hard to have if I don't think it's true. 
the inner workings of a man who is waiting well right here in Psalm 27. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.